Hello and welcome to What a Terrible Idea. Today's episode is very, very exciting with one of Hybrid's favourite humans. Um, it is Dr. Mike. What a terrible idea. Um, but first, just a quick roundup of everything Hybrid. So we were in Hull at Proactive Fitness on Saturday doing another handstand workshop, which was really, really fun. Um, and we've got some more dates coming up. So we've got the 1st of June date in Shropshire at MeFit, if anyone is in the area. And we've also now got some Bristol dates at Sweatbox. So we've got the 8th of June, the 20th of July, and the 31st of August. Um, and those will be going up on the website this week. So that is very, very exciting. Um, also, we finished testing with all the hybrid group last week, which is cool. So everyone's going to be getting their nonagons through. So if you're on the hybrid group or you did testing last week, your nonagons should be coming through to you uh, by the end of the week. If you haven't got a nonagon and would like one, then we're going to be running the hybrid testing week as a seven-day trial. So if anyone would like to jump on that, just shoot us a message and we will add you to crew, True Coach, get you set up, get you in the coaching group so you can sort of ask any questions you need. And then at the end of the week, you'll get your very own shiny nonagon to sort of direct your training after that. Um, we also kicked off the shred, which is really exciting. So only two days in, but I'm sure we're going to get some excellent results off that. Um, and I think that is everything you need to know to bring you up to date on hybrid news. So please enjoy the episode. Dr. Mike, what a terrible idea. I can't hold it as long as you can. That was impressive, wasn't it? You should be in the... You should be in the Welsh Voices Choir. Yes, <laughs> apart from I'm tone deaf. The Welsh Voices. Isn't there a choir called the, the Welsh, Welsh Male Voice Choir? Yes, the Voices. <laughs> I didn't want to be sexualist about Do it. Do the Lebanese have that? Is they have a... choirs, but they don't have a Welsh Voice Choir. <laughs> Do they have a Lebanese Male Voice Choir? I don't know. It's possible. Hmm. That's one to ponder, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Have we started officially? We've officially started. Oh, excellent. Can you imagine? So we're actually going to include that. <laughs> That's great. Hello and welcome to What a Terrible Idea. We have a particularly excellent episode for you today. Um, we don't know might... that yet, though, do we? We do. I do. Oh, okay. It's definitely I'm excellent. very confident. That's excellent. Are you not confident levels. this is going to be excellent? Well, I hope I think it, it already is our best episode. I wouldn't episode. want to be very self-congratulatory before we finished it. <laughs> You're sort of ruining what I'm about to tell <laughs> you. Okay. You may or may not have noticed that that was not Ali. That was a very, very special guest. Uh, Dr. Mike II of Instagram notoriety. He's very famous off of Instagram. It's, it doesn't like I. It, I felt like there should have been applause at the end of that, and it was like one of those things where you go. I imagine you most people will have no one applauded claps. while yeah. they're walking around. Okay, we can do. Ah, ah, the crowd go okay. wild. Ah, Will you? We'll can you just in. put in some canned applause? Mm. Yeah. Okay. That'll be excellent. And edit out you asking for canned. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Doctor uh, Mike, we, are you going to give us a fact for the day? 
Oh, yes. I've got two facts for the day. Would you like a musical fact or a nutritional fact to start with? Both. Both to start with? <laughs> yeah. I can't tell them Tell us both, both facts time. simultaneously. Alternate. <laughs> One okay. sentence from each fact. I'm going to start with my musical fact. Okay. So you may have heard the song Pump Up the Jam from Technotronic, which was released in, I believe, 1989. Can you sing it? No. Please? I was born in 1989. Were you born Me in actual 1989? Me and the song were released in 1989. God, yeah. <laughs> Unleashed. <laughs> Unleashed. <laughs> well, many... I'm going to tell you, I, I think that this fact will be not one that you will share with Pump Up The Jam. <laughs> but Pump Up The Jam was billed as Technotronic Feet, which stands for featuring Feli. And Feli was a um, Nigerian lady model rapper. Um, and she was in the video wearing very bright pinky purple lipstick. And she sang along to Pump Up The Jam by Technotronic Feet Felly, because that's who she is. Um, and then it transpired that it wasn't Felly at all. Felly was chosen for her look, not for her vocal talents. And actually the vocal talents were being provided by none other than rapper Ya Kid K. And then it turned out that it was exposed and everybody was shocked and appalled. And then in their follow-up single, Rockin' Over the Beat, it was actually billed as Feet Yakid K. And then everyone was happy. Oh, wow. Gosh. Um, that's a little bit like uh, the episode where Phoebe in Friends... Yes. Is it based I on that? I think it's probably based on that story because that was quite commonplace in 80s that. music. It happened with Ride on Time by Black Box as well. Uh. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That was actually performed by Lolita Holloway, not Durga McBroom, who was a member of... I think I might have made that up, Durga McBroom. I think Durga McBroom was the singer in Black Box, but I don't think she sang it, and that Lolita Holloway actually sang the song. I think most of our listeners will have no idea what you're talking about. I've you got no idea know. what you're talking about. No, you honest. wouldn't have thought I would know what I was talking about either, but this I do. True. So we mustn't well, just... Well, I would, because I know you, and I know people... you have ridiculously deep musical trivia. Okay. Well, we can't just give people false If there's one person I, I would have thought might know that, it would be you. Gosh. That's <laughs> high praise indeed. That's very high praise. Can you tell us the banana fact now, please? Right. So this is one of my favourite stories. Have you ever wondered why banana flavouring tastes so different to actual bananas? I can't remember the last time I went to bed without that very thought in my head. Exactly. It's plagued you all your life, yeah. hasn't it? So I'm here to tell you the truth behind it. So when banana flavouring was originally invented back in the 1950s, um, it was based on the current most popular banana variety of the time, which was called the Gros Michel banana, or Big Mike, as it's sometimes known. <laughs> and... Um, this variety of banana was very sweet and had a very interesting sweet banana-y flavour, um, much like the banana flavour that you taste today. Unfortunately, there was a fungal banana blight that spread across the land in the 50s and pretty much wiped out the sure. Gros Michel variety of banana. So it's very susceptible to fungal disease, which it can still grow, but it's just not very economical to grow it because it's at risk of, of disease and not being very successful. So Gosh. it was actually all but replaced by the Cavendish banana, which is the type of banana that we generally eat today, which tastes very different. And so actually, banana flavour tastes more like bananas than actual bananas. 
and that's the story. That is maybe my favourite fact of the day that we've ever had so far. That's, the level of depth was phenomenal. Yeah. We don't know if it's true, but we think it is. <laughs> Who's we? The, 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 the audience yeah. and world. Collective we. The collective uh, we, yeah. So you and the rest of the banana fanatics <laughs> yeah. in the crowd. Yeah. Have we decided on a topic for today's episode? We have decided on a topic for today's episode. What is it? What is it? It's about the importance of lifestyle change. Gosh. I mean, <laughs> it's not lifestyle change. What a terrible idea, though, is it? No, it's no. not. That's not, not, that's not, change. <laughs> not changing your lifestyle. What a terrible <laughs> What a terrible idea that is. <laughs> Unless your lifestyle's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, let's maybe leave this for the end, shall we? Yeah. And we'll put it in the pre-recorded introduction that we yeah. record next week. In a hurry <laughs> when we realise we've got to put the show out on time. <laughs> so, Dr. Mike, as we said off Instagram notoriety, <laughs> you have a reputation for making lots of friends on Instagram, which is excellent. Um, and I'm actually very, very glad that we're not just Instagram friends, that we're actually real-life oh. friends oh. as well. I'm um, glad about that too. It makes me very, very happy. Um, but do you want to tell everyone how you first met the Hybrid Coaching Boys? Yes, I do. Do we now refer to ourselves as the Hybrid Coaching Boys? Yeah, as a collective. Collective. <laughs> yeah. So it was, a, it was a long and winding road that led me to your door. Um, and essentially, our first encounter was, I think I, I think I had followed you on Twitter or Instagram off the back of... I'd done... Um, uh, an Andy McKenzie mobility workshop and I think that you had been part of that kind of group of people at that time and I had um, ended up following you through that and I went to the Body Power Fitness trade show where there was a handstand workshop with Tom Morgan and I thought what a fun idea <laughs> <laughs> and so I attended the handstand workshop and Tom made I, th I just thought it was a I thought you were going to be talking about how to do handstands. I didn't realise that we were going to have to try and do handstands. And I was wearing very inappropriate clothing. Like, not inappropriate. <laughs> like, not like morally. <laughs> not morally inappropriate. I mean, like, I was wearing jeans and, like, a, a jumper. One of your crop tops. <laughs> Classic Dr. Mike crop and, tops. Um... <laughs> And I went to this this workshop and was forced to do handstands against my will. And then that's pretty much in our friendship. <laughs> that's not how our workshops go. Yeah. Um, no. And then then subsequently, I was I was in Dubai with one of my friends or a mutual friend of ours, and he was talking about how he was going away to Barcelona with you guys in a few weeks, and we talked about how. Um, I think originally he'd said, "Oh, why don't why don't we extend out the trip and and then when when they go home, like you come out to Barcelona and we'll hang out in Barcelona." <laughs> and then it? I didn't realize. Yeah, and then, and then he spoke to you guys about it, and then you guys had apparently had apparently said, "Well, why doesn't he just come with us?" So he put this to me, and I was like, "Oh, I don't really know. I don't really know those guys to go on holiday with." And he was like, "Well, it's up to you, but I think it'll be fun, whatever." And so I was like, "Okay, cool, I'll go." Um, and then we booked flights and then the day after he had an opportunity to go to Bali instead and for, for a couple of weeks and then our kind of two or three days in Barcelona was right in the middle of that. So understandably, he, uh, well, depending on how you look at it, he chose he chose Bali and uh, then I was presented with the uh, 
the dilemma of whether I still go on holiday with these people who I essentially didn't know, um, but did know off Instagram and from one handstand workshop, <laughs> or whether I um, cancelled the holiday completely. And um, Di sent me a, a, a voice note <laughs> detailing the pros and cons of my decision. Um, and I... You were drunk at the time as well, I think. I don't get drunk, actually, Di. I, no. I always stick to um, the government-recommended amount of alcohol <laughs> that you that would have If that changes to a now drastically higher amount, <laughs> would you then start really... getting drunk? <laughs> I, I... Does the government start recommending <laughs> that you consume, like, 50 what? units? And yeah, I mean, if the government recommend it, who, who am I to stand in its way? Also, can we just backtrack to drastic... <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway, Gross. disaster. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. So yeah. I decided to go to, to Barcelona, and I came to Barcelona, and we did handstands, and it was excellent. And the rest was history, or is history, as it were. What uh, do you think that was actually a dilemma? Uh, was Doctor Mike on the horns of a dilemma? He was not. You, do you know what a dilemma is? Oh, I'm dear. this is the fact of the day. Uh, you haven't yet. Ooh, Are we about to get three? I, I need to know this fact, though. Okay, so people often misuse the word dilemma and say they are in a dilemma. You cannot be in a dilemma. You can be faced with or on the horns of a dilemma. And a dilemma one. can only be between two bad negative options. I guess it could have been a dilemma if we'd been idiots. Yeah. So but then at, wouldn't not going wouldn't have been at the time it was a dilemma because not going to Barcelona would have meant not going to they Barcelona. Were I think and going to Barcelona was, with you guys could have been a terrible option. Yes. So Both in my of them had the potential of being yeah, bad options. Exactly. So that you were faced, faced with, with a dilemma. Correctly. Well, there yeah. you go. Well done. So but to reiterate a dilemma two options only both have to be negative. I was using these things then to yes. demonstrate two, just yeah. in case. So if you're faced with two options that are both potentially really good, but you can't choose, that's not a dilemma. It's not a dilemma. I didn't know that, you know. What's that called? A Conundrum. A conundrum. <laughs> a kerfuffle. Yeah. I'll, put that a on my, I'll put that on my list of things to research for next week's podcast. Can we have a word of the day for this podcast as well? Word yes. of the podcast. I think it should be brouhaha. Bruhaha. Please Can explain. explain bruhaha? So a bruhaha is like a commotion, I think. What is this bruhaha? <laughs> I think I first heard it on Neighbours, actually. Oh, do you know what an excellent fact is that I learned from Neighbours once? What? It's how to, tell, to, to spell the difference between dessert and desert. Do you remember this? You probably are too young. But there was a scene in Neighbours where the two kids, I think it was... It was Josh and Cody were designing a T-shirt as part of a school assi assignment to save the desert or something. And they made this big T-shirt that had lots of pictures of things like sand on it that represented the desert. I'm not sure what else there was. <laughs> but maybe a palm tree a or camel. something. A camel, maybe. And um, they wrote desert in the middle. And then they were showing it to Katie, Josh's little sister, who... No, Todd's little sister, sorry, who had who had been trying to help them with the design of the T-shirt. And she was like, and they wouldn't let her because they were like, you're our little sister. We don't want to hang out with you. It was a moral lesson. Because then she was like, well, why have you written dessert across the T-shirt? And 
they were like, what do you mean? And she said, it's got two S's. That makes it dessert, not desert. And the way that they thought to cover this up was to put a rock on the second S, which then has always been how I remember the difference between dessert and desert, <laughs> because you have to, the t-shirt was about desert, not dessert. So you, and you have to add a rock. desert, D-E-S, rock. <laughs> E-R-T. No. <laughs> I just know that there's no second S. <laughs> we can edit this bit out if you like. No, we're fitness actually unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we did manage to piece two bits of audio together, so we yeah, actually yeah, maybe yeah. did filter. Wow. I know, it's very clever. Hmm. Hmm. Happens to everyone in the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you want to just go into, I guess, how you... Because people will recognise you sort of within the fitness industry, even though you're technically not in the fitness industry. I'm not. You are not. You're a doctor, Dr. Mike, hence the name. Um, <laughs> but do you want to just go through kind of your your journey of how you've kind of got to where you are? Sure. So why I, are you recognised in the fitness industry? Why am I? I don't I don't know that I am recognised in the fitness well, industry. Well, we're in the fitness industry. <laughs> you recognise <laughs> me? Okay, fine. So, I've heard the term influencer bags around. <laughs> so I... That's a very embarrassing thing. Um, you definitely I, influence me. You have a positive influence on many people. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the thing is about, I, I think the term influencer means a very different thing to some, I think everybody has influence on people in some way, but um, an influencer as an occupation, I think is a very, very different thing yeah. altogether. However, what I will say is this, the story of my quote unquote journey. Um, I grew up very um, inactive I was not interested in sport at all. I was not interested in any forms of activity. It was kind of the only thing I could really get away with um, because academia was quite important. I was relatively decent at that. So my only real form of rebellion was being terrible at sports. So it was quite important to me at the time. Um, but you were actively terrible at sports? I was actively terrible. Like, I can't even... I can think of that there was this one moment where I thought I might be okay at something. It was really embarrassingly gymnastics. And I remember this moment where we were doing Arab Springs, which I thought I would be naturally excellent at because <laughs> yeah. I do have Arab origins. And I remember us doing these Arab Springs and my PE teacher seemed really impressed by, by what I was doing. And he was like, oh, show me that again, show me that again. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, this is amazing. This is the first time I've been recognised for my capabilities. And then subsequently to that, we all got called together to sort of sit down and, and on the mats. And the teacher said, oh, Michael, can you please come to the front and demonstrate an Arab Spring? And I was like, oh, my God, this is my this is my moment. This is when it's happened. This is when we realise my true talents lie in, in gymnastics Arab and Arab <laughs> Springing. So I went to the front and I did my Arab Spring. And then he said, okay, you can go sit down. Now, Tim, come over and uh, show us how it's done properly. Ooh. And it was it was such a sad moment in my life. That's yeah. terrible teaching. Almost, <laughs> almost as sad as the time when I decided that I wanted to try and make a, more of an effort to be better at sports. So I chose table tennis as a bit of an introduction into table it. Table tennis is hard. We had, a, we had a table tennis club and you could, you could have 
you could join the table tennis club for 50p a term so I went at the beginning of the term with my 50p to the teacher and the teacher kind of looked at me and went yeah let's just wait and see who else wants to join first and then if there's still space maybe you can oh yeah right. that is savage I know right to be fair it's not, it's not much of a wonder that you didn't really enjoy yeah. doing anything like any kind of physical activity when you're yeah. getting that kind of negative reinforcement from your teachers yeah i mean i don't want to i don't want to blame them entirely but it was entirely their fault <laughs> it, it, it does sound like yeah, it. i mean it, it was it was it it kind of it was mutual in a way i made very little effort and then in the moments that when i decided to make effort it wasn't very well received probably because they were so used to me being so belligerent about it that they just they didn't believe that I would I would bother to make an effort so and I, I've got to take some responsibility for it as well but at the same time oh, I was a child and they were adults <laughs> so you know whatever but anyway um so kind of grew up that way and then it kind of carried on into university but luckily at university I, I always had long walks to do to, to lectures and stuff and and so kind of was kept in check a little bit and I was kind of by default relatively active. Can um, I just, where did you go to university that you regularly had to have long walks? In so we lived, we lived, to, I, I lived about a 30 to 40 minute walk oh. away from the university. That's where the halls of residence were. So um, it was actually quite a long walk and I was, I was way too cheap to, to get the train. So I did actually do quite a lot of walking. And we also, the hospital that I trained at, was across 12 floors and we actually used to often get the stairs which seemed very out of character for me but I did do it sometimes <laughs> um but essentially after I qualified I was still you know as a junior doctor kind of running around the hospital wards and and you know again keeping things in check but when I became a GP and was sitting behind a desk all the time it just um you know I, I put on a lot of weight especially that I was earning money which meant I could afford to eat out more which I did a lot um so you know it just kind of it was a very slow process of getting worse and worse in terms of, you know, trouser sizes getting bigger and bigger. And kind of there was a sudden moment of realisation where I was just like, unless I actually make an effort to change this, it's going to it's going to keep getting worse. It's not even just going to stay the same. And I can't really I think I'd, I'd hit my, my work trousers were a 40 inch waist at that point. And I kind of thought to myself, this this is not something that I'm prepared to let get any worse than this. And in order to, to stop it, I have to I have to actually actively make it better than this. So I kind of made a, a decision to, to make some changes. And, and like you mentioned social media before, I actually was chatting to someone on Twitter at the time who was posting stuff about fitness and who I just I'd, I'd ended up following back randomly um, and started giving me kind of advice on, on how to you know count calories and all that kind of stuff. And it's, just, it's a very long story because it's, it's basically then six years worth of lifestyle change followed. And I think I use social media as a massive accountability tool. And it was, you know, I would use Twitter because there were people that I didn't really know yet. Somehow they would they would keep me accountable in terms of going to the gym, in terms of the dietary choices and stuff. And I had kind of made, you know, I kind of announced to people that I was doing this. So I, I felt like I had to, to follow it through. Um and to cut a long story short, kind of six years later, I had learned an awful lot about it. And one of the biggest things that I'd learned was how little I had known, even as a, as a GP, about nutrition and about lifestyle change. So through doing that six years of lifestyle change, I learned loads about it. And I kind of wanted to spread that information because it wasn't, 
it's not super difficult information. It's just information that's not necessarily readily available or readily obvious to people. But once you know it, it can make things a lot easier to change. So I kind of then developed a vested interest in, in telling everyone about it. And that's, I suppose, why I kind of talk lots. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. That's a very, very interesting story. Yeah. Was there anything that was a specific trigger for you for wanting to make the change initially? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a build-up of things. I think I had always wanted to make the changes and had tried several times that hadn't really worked. Um, but I think also a friend of mine had a heart attack very um, suddenly and unexpectedly. A very a guy who was very fit, played a lot of rugby, did a lot of sport and exercise. Um, and he was just, I think he was about 35, 36 at the time. And he had a heart attack. And that kind of was a little bit of a you know sobering moment for me because I was like well if you know if he's at risk of stuff like that when he lives the way that he does then imagine how much risk I'm I'm going to be of that in the next sort of five I think I was I was just about 29 30 at the time so I was like you know I'm I'm clearly going to be at a huge risk of serious health problems if I don't start doing something about this because I mean it wasn't just it wasn't just about being overweight I was very inactive I didn't do any organized exercise or any exercise really at all um and I didn't I didn't eat well you know it wasn't like I was kind of eating healthy food but too much of it it just I, I had a terrible a terrible diet um and I, I don't like to ascribe any kind of you know moral value to food etc but essentially you know I was living off you know mostly processed ready meals eating out um it just was not ideal in terms of health and longevity even if you remove the kind of weight aesthetic side of things completely. Very interesting. Was there, um, I forgot what I was going to say now, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes you made? You made? Were there any sort of things you look back on now and like laugh at? Yeah, massively. I mean, there were, there were huge clangers. And it, one thing that I, that I find really interesting about it is one of the biggest mistakes and biggest misconceptions about dieting that I had was one of, the things that probably actually made it work really bizarrely so everyone talks about how your um you know if you eat too little your metabolism will slow down and you'll stop losing weight right so this was something that i kind of learned at that time to to be fact and i believed it and what that did although completely false was it caused me to instead of so i i was eating about 2000 calories at the time um, and every time I tried to diet previously, I had just eaten as little as humanly possible. And then it had lasted maximum of two or three weeks. And I thought, I cannot be on a diet anymore. This is absolutely horrific. I'm just going to eat normally again. I don't care. So whereas this time around, I was going in with the ethos that I have to stick to 2000 calories. I won't go above it, but I also won't go below it um, because my metabolism will slow down and I'll stop losing weight. And that's why dieting hadn't worked for me in the last time or so I thought. So I was sticking to this 2,000 calories, which then put me in this mindset that, wow, I really don't feel like I'm on a diet at all. Because actually, at times when I don't feel particularly hungry, I've still got 500 calories left at the end of the day. So I can still eat all of this extra food and go to bed really full up and feel like I'm not on a diet, but actually I'm in a calorie deficit and I'm continuing to lose weight. So that was a massive tool because it was, you know, although it wasn't true, it was really good for adherence because sticking to that higher calorie amount meant that I was able to adhere to the diet for, for a very long time. But 
other things that I did, I mean, I, I, yeah, so starvation mode was one of them. Also believing that wheat, I remember giving up wheat, sugar and dairy. I because, remember you sharing a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, a time half of your posts about this. Yeah, because wheat, sugar and dairy were particularly the things that I thought made you overweight. And it I believed it because when I did, you know, I when I went paleo, I lost four kilos in a month. Whereas I, I'd previously been losing kind of a kilo kind of every couple of weeks. Um and it sort of it, it just jumped up to this huge amount of weight that I lost. And what I hadn't really thought through at the time was that I started running at that time. So I was burning a lot more calories from exercise than I had been previously. Um, but also, I was so lazy that I just couldn't be bothered to make all this paleo food. So I would be really hungry. And I think, well, I can either eat that another packet of jerky or I can just go to bed because I can't really be bothered to make a steak um, or cook some eggs or whatever. So... You know, although I felt like I was eating quite a lot of calories, I, I I really probably wasn't. And I was burning more calories, so I lost a lot more weight a lot faster. But then once I'd done a month of paleo and couldn't hack it anymore, I then that was kind of it was kind of my undoing in a way, because I'd been really consistent for about six months. Then I did a month of paleo and then I was just in this abyss of I genuinely have no idea what to do now because you know, I believed at that time that calorie counting was no longer enough. That had to be focusing on the on the on what I was eating. So I was trying to be paleo, doing it for a few weeks, failing, and then eating everything that I could get my hands on, and then doing it for another few weeks and failing. And I think psychologically that that can be quite damaging because that you then get into this kind of almost you know binge restrict mentality where you're being really restrictive, unnecessarily restrictive, and then you fall off the wagon. And then you feel really ashamed of yourself and you feel like you failed. And I think that, you know, feeling like you are failing several times a week is one of the saddest kind of positions to be in, I think. Even if you're not doing particularly well, like you, you kind of, you just get this mindset of feeling that you're you're completely incapable because you aren't sticking to this hideously restrictive diet. It's really interesting because a lot of the things, like those two examples, like starvation mode, and then like exclusion diet, sort of like going dairy free, wheat free and that, are a lot of the things that some of our clients say when they come in yeah. to us, like these sort of like fad diets and just trends that are sort of very, very loosely hidden in some sort of fact, but they've mm-hmm. been like massively over-exaggerated. Yeah. Um, so they're the same things that general pop, pop clients tell us, mm-hmm. and you're a GP. Exactly. And yet you still thought these were the, yeah. the, the reasons you're losing weight because you were eating wheat. Or... Yeah, that's what's, and that's what's given me such a drive to kind of try and increase the amount of knowledge and learning. And it might have just been me. I might have just been intensely gullible. But I I believed things that I saw on social media and I believed things that, that, that trainers told me about it, you know, because they're the professionals. And I, I've always trusted professionals when it's, when it's come to stuff like that. Um, and... You know, there were some of the things that that I believed were, were were outrageous, kind of, and it was almost like I had totally separated health and fitness from medicine. And I knew my stuff about medicine, but I didn't necessarily know my stuff about health and fitness. And it was only kind of through going through that process and then through realizing that I was wrong because I then started to listen to to um, to different people and started to learn different things and realized that I was mistaken on so many of those things that 
that I realized how little I had known. And that was, you know, I thought to myself, God, if, if I, if I'm in that situation, then how can I expect my patients to, to, to know all of this stuff? And that's what made me want to learn more about it and talk more about it too. Do you think you've developed a bit more of a filter now to like, when you're presented with new information, being able to sort of understand whether or not that might not be true yeah sometimes i'm still a bit like a puppy when presented with <laughs> new shiny things um and i try desperately to it's it's like when you know when you get a call from a cold caller and they tell you that you've won some sort of lottery <laughs> and you know it can't possibly be true but there's just that tiny bit of you that wants it to be true yeah. so badly that you're like well they can't they can't be lying about it that's just that's ludicrous. You can't lie about those things. And because I, I just kind of feel like I wouldn't go on the internet and tell people bad stuff that I kind of feel like nobody else would either. But then I think that there are a lot of people who genuinely believe all of these things, just like I did for a brief moment of my life. And that's what makes it all the more scary because they're not, they're not bad people. They're not trying to spread misinformation. They've just been taken in. How um, is there any advice you would give people then who are in that position where they just have no filter on this? They've, they've never come across any of this information before as to how to go about choosing who to listen to. Yeah, get yourself a filter. I think it's really, <laughs> it's really, really important. You can buy one from hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's just super important to just question, to just question everything. Because even if you trust people... You know, people who are an expert on one thing aren't necessarily an expert on another thing. And I've seen, you know, there's there's some some people that I that I follow who put out really great information about about some things, but actually then I disagree with them about other things. And it's important to to remember that it shouldn't be the people that you trust. It should be the science. And it's difficult because I think a lot of there are a few people who can be trusted on certain topics, and I think it's okay to trust them, particularly if you don't have the means to become a scientist yourself but you know just just like maybe just try and learn a little bit about how studies are carried out because that's a huge thing like everybody will quote this is scientifically proven studies have shown this well studies haven't shown it studies have shown a correlation but not necessarily a cause you know just even just knowing the different types of studies that there are and saying to people or saying to people, can you show me the study and just reading the abstract even? But maybe that's an unrealistic thing to expect from people who, who don't have an interest in science. And for those people, I would say, yeah, find a few people who you trust, but only trust them on those specific topics. Um, and that's that's the difficulty, because sometimes people can can give really great information about training, and but not so great about nutrition. And some people can give really great information about nutrition, but not training. And then there's people who give great information about things like mindset, but then not necessarily diet. And then there's Beyonce. And then, you know, there's there's all these different, there's <laughs> different types Beyonce. of people. Exactly. And Beyonce, you know, is a very clever, very powerful, very excellent woman at life. She's part of the New World Order as well. Yeah. And she's done lots of excellent <laughs> things, but then she still did a very, a very terrible diet for Coachella. Um, have you heard about this? No. no. What was Beyonce's so, diet? So Beyonce's diet was no no sugar, no carbs, no dairy, no bread. Like they, they, she, she talks about it in the, this new Netflix film, and I, I haven't actually seen the film yet, but I have seen several people um, Instagram post about it. 
Um, and it's just a, a very, very highly restrictive diet that she talked about doing for Coachella. And then there's just been these swaves of people. Is swave a word? Don't swave. know. Swave. Swave. Swaves yeah. of people. Um, thank you. Um, going, oh, I'm on the Beyonce Coachella diet. And she, I think, I think, and I, you can't quote me on this because I don't know if it's true, but one of the posts that I saw said that she was talking about this diet that she was on where there's no carbs and no sugar and all this. And she was eating an apple while, <laughs> while she, was, she was doing it. And it's just, there is so, there are so many misconceptions and it, you know, even, even the most powerful, most intelligent, most wealthy celebrities who can afford the best advisors are still doing very, very strange things when it comes to diet. So maybe listen to people with qualifications. Yeah, it is an absolute minefield, particularly like social media and general media, like newspapers. But I think, like, like Dr. Mike was saying, the ability to think critically is so important. And like, even if it's just the question, like you ask yourself, like, if this is true, why is that the case? Or yeah. something along those lines. And if the only reason is because Beyonce said so, probably want to question a little bit further mm. and try and work out why. That if might the answer is because anyone said so, you probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't have a personal vendetta against Beyonce. No. No, but I think like if you want, Doctor Mike might do. I don't no, know. I don't at all. And I think I think if you want to kind of learn about formation dance routines, and she's telling you that one is better than the other, then you should probably believe her. Mm. And even if she's talking about how to sing songs, then you could believe her on that. But I think just maybe don't believe her on on diet, diet and science. Yeah. And that's no that's no insult against Beyonce. It's just that she's she's not, not a scientist. A and when scientist. she she began in Destiny's Child when she was very young, and so she probably couldn't finish school and things. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if we, move I on. don't know whether Beyonce <laughs> finished school. And if you didn't finish school, it's fine not to finish school. By the way, I'm just saying that, like, also science is taught in school. So if she didn't finish school, then she might not have might not had full access to a science curriculum. Yeah, and understand like the importance of science and yeah. fair studies yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I took from what you said. Yeah, to be good. fair. Um, if we move on more towards training and your journey in the gym. <laughs> And how much you now love training. Right. Do you want to fill us in on some of that? Well, it's been patchy. I I, I think training is the one thing that I've always struggled to, to, to really be consistent with. Um, and I think it's because I've always had that kind of... I've always had that mindset. I've always been very underconfident in a gym environment. Um, but I've out of all of the, the sort of different types of sport and exercise that I've tried... I found gym training to be the most enjoyable out of all of them. Um, but it's still, I still find it a struggle to get kind of to get my gym sessions in and to incorporate that into my day and to, to kind of to push myself in the gym just because I, I like things like lounging, but I don't necessarily like things like being out of breath and stuff. Mm. So um, I've tried a lot of different stuff. So I tried cycling, wasn't really up for that. I tried boot camps. The, like I went to an outdoor boot camp for quite a while, and that was a really, really good introduction to kind of training for me because a lot of it was based on play, and it was based on kind of, you know, almost being tricked into exercising because we would be playing games rather than you know just doing burpees, for example. And I think that was really, really helpful for me because it was something that like 
you know, it took it kind of took it back to the playground, I guess, and 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 gave it that enjoyable element. Um, and I think that can be really important for people who aren't particularly used to exercise because everyone enjoyed exercising when they were kids. Like everyone, I think, think has a natural enjoyment of exercise. And sometimes I think that can be removed from them due to the availability of other forms of entertainment and perhaps the lack of availability of exercise in terms of, you know, if you're like sometimes at schools, if you're not particularly good at a sport, you won't be encouraged to do it because you won't be on the teams for it. So, you know, there will be little interest in it. And so I think you can become a bit lazy with it. But um, I think deep down, everyone enjoyed exercising when they were kids. Everyone loved running around and playing games. So I think finding exercise to enjoy has been the biggest thing. And, and having that flexibility, I think, is, is hugely important. Like if, if you're not enjoying it, find a different way of doing it. And that's even applied to kind of gym programs. Like I've had gym programs where I've just been like, I just don't really enjoy this type of training. And then I've been given a different program and then I have enjoyed it. So I think it's possible to find a way and finding your thing that you love is difficult sometimes, but worth doing. What is the thing you've tried that you hated the most? In a gym setting, not just like... Oh, in a gym setting? Yeah. Since you started your sort of health and fitness journey. What is your most hated thing? I think the what bike... Yeah, yeah, it makes just to look at like aesthetically. Yeah, it's it's a terrible, terrible piece of equipment from an aesthetic point of view. No, I've I've, I always found that that nothing like destroys me more than the watt bike, in the sense that when I often used to end some of my PT sessions with kind of watt bike sprints, and I would sometimes have to have to lie down, and I couldn't leave the gym because every time I tried to stand up. I would feel like I was going to pass out and that would last me a good kind of 15 minutes. And I think sometimes it's cool to feel like that because you're like, we're beast mode, look, did it. Um, <laughs> but actually a lot of the time it can just be a bit counterproductive because you feel so horrific that it sort of makes you not want to do it again. Um, do you think what bikes are worse than air bikes? I didn't know that they were a different thing. Oh, right, okay. What bikes are the like stationary bikes? Oh yeah, just no. Your legs well, I think probably because I've never been forced to do an air bike in the same way as I was forced to do a watt bike. I don't think that they're we necessarily. Can take you to the gym That's okay. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. I can just believe you. Um, we'll make you do sprints there from here. Oh, great. With yeah. burpees. Yeah. No. <laughs> of all the things we do, very <laughs> yeah. often, like a very terrible idea. Um, yeah. So anyway, I. To date, then, what's the thing you've enjoyed most in the gym? Or some of the most enjoyable things you've done that you think people might want to try out if they haven't yet found their... So my my most enjoyable gym moments were... We, aside from this morning when you trained. Aside from training with you guys, was our weekly power hour that we had at my gym that has sadly recently closed, Grenade Fit. We used to, every Thursday morning at 6am, do an hour of non-stop circuit. So so a circuit was set up, we would go in pairs and it would be it would be based on the a prowler push and there and back being the timer and enough stations that you would just have, you know, a pair at each station. And every time one pair had gone up the prowler track, pushed the prowler with the other person on it, and then the other person had pushed them back on it, that would be the bit where we would change stations 
we would do that non-stop for an hour without a break um, and I used to make the playlist and it was just the most wonderful thing and I would be given a theme every week to make the playlist so I would have all these people who were being forced to listen to my favourite music of that theme um, for a whole hour and it would I would get like this huge buzz just from making people listen to my music without being able to skip it and also from when people would like it it would make me really happy so I would have it was an hour of listening to songs that I liked and like playing with my mates so it was really really awesome and like it that kind of tied in the community aspect the play aspect the enjoyment from a kind of you know from a music point of view and an atmosphere point of view the sense of achievement that you get because you know when we first started doing the power hour it was something I would get nervous about going to it because I didn't know if I would be able to complete an hour because it can be quite difficult to do um, and the, the the difficulty of it would would depend on on you know the sessions and we would there would be games involved like you do rock paper scissors push-ups and stuff like that and and dice burpees and things so there was a lot of fun a lot of chat a lot of laughter and also a lot of calories burnt as well so I really enjoyed it it's interesting that you like you really enjoyed that because on the face of it a circuit session for non-stop for an hour yeah. sounds like the most terrible yeah. thing ever yeah. Yeah. um but because you're meeting those other sort of needs like you say the belonging yeah. the kind of community thing yeah um feeling competent in what you're doing as well um obviously made it like that enjoyable yeah. for you it was it was the one gym session that i never ever missed I went to every single That's one amazing, unless That's I was really nice. unless I was out of the country. There was yeah. one time when I was out of the country and the rest of the time I was there literally every week without fail. That's actually really yeah. nice that is. Yeah. And it, now it's over. But it's also like so it wasn't actually necessarily finding the thing that you loved. It was how to do it. Doing it with like a, a group of people you liked yeah. doing it with. It was and making it social, making it fun. Yeah making it challenging as well and you know and it was it was different every time too well that's right i guess if you look at just like generally commercial gyms obviously they have the classes which generally are, are packed but yeah the actual gym environment itself is is pretty horrible to be in yeah really uh, soulless yeah it really is like I, I like we we love training and when we go to a commercial gym like we're there like i finding this really hard to get mm -hmm. up for yeah, like genuinely, like actually struggle to get a good session in a commercial gym just because the environment generally is is not nice. Do you think it's achievable? Because I've been to like now since my gym has closed, I've been to a couple of commercial gyms. I have, I have found it that that it is, if you can find the right one, I think it's yeah. okay. I think some people are better at it than others. So I'm really not very good at like training on my own. Right. I really don't enjoy. I I like. Almost all of my enjoyment of training is derived from the social side mm -hmm. of doing it with my mates. Um, so I, I really, really struggle in almost any commercial gym environment. I suppose that's partly because I'm spoiled as well in my usual training, mm. like set in like sweat boxes just to sit gym to train at. And I've always had like quite cool gyms to train mm. at. So it might be that I'm just not used to that. Yeah. And I imagine if you go into a commercial gym, but you were used to go and you, you always go with a training partner. Mm -hmm then it would probably be okay as well. Yeah. But I think if you're on your own, if I was on my own going to a commercial gym, I think I would struggle to... 
yeah. to like be successful. Well, even even if you're relatively consistent with it, yeah. you probably still find that like what you're actually doing in a session, like you'd skip bits, you'd like miss yeah. bits out, that sort of thing. Like I, I know I definitely would have been like because I actively don't really like being there that much. Yeah. Um, and like the only time like in relatively recent times that I've been to a commercial gym is when I've had my knee ops, so I've been a little bit restricted anyway. Um, but I end up just sat on the machines on my phone like everyone else yeah, yeah. which is like is ridiculous really because I like I know that that's not what I should be doing yeah and it's like a massive waste of time yeah. um but the the kind of yeah the atmosphere and environment is is actually so important I think we're so lucky with obviously having like each other like our training group is so sick to train with that was part of the reason we wanted to do hybrid was to try and try and do our best to sort of extend that training community so that people that don't necessarily have access to a gym that is really really sick have access to at least to a community yeah. that's trying to be as playful and fun yeah. and like supportive as possible which i think is really important and i think that yeah. that is probably half the battle for most people absolutely um that's been our longest episode to date so far. gosh gosh we're just over 45 minutes Wow, that's many minutes. It's lots of minutes. I think we might have to have you back to dive into some depth in some things. <laughs> <laughs> you need to dive into depth. That would be... This has been just... I feel this is just like the intro to Dr. Mike. Yeah. Gosh. We've only scratched the surface. Wow. Yeah. I feel there's a lot. <laughs> well, it would, it would be my into. pleasure to return. That would be very excellent. What do you think are the two most important lessons you've learned in your health and fitness journey to share with people? Um, one of the most, one of them is going to be to accept being wrong and be willing to change your mind. Um, and the other one is kind of similar, but just to be flexible as in to, if things aren't working, accept that they're not working and change them. And that's both with, with being right or wrong and also with what you think you should or shouldn't be enjoying. So if you're, you know, I was, I was telling you before, like I, I, remember once being accused of, of flitting between different things in terms of in terms of training and, and and not being consistent with anything for long enough and I remember being quite affronted by that because I thought well this is not something I'm I'm not flitting by accident I'm flitting because I'm getting bored and not enjoying it and trying to find something that I enjoy more so I think it's kind of just know yourself know your limitations and use them wisely Oh. I think that is very, very wise. Yeah. Thank you. Because we think doing things that you hate is a terrible idea. <laughs> it's an awful idea. So you definitely shouldn't try and force yourself to. That was actually agree. the name of our first podcast. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, people do, don't they? They like just try and force themselves yeah. to do stuff that they hate. Yeah. And it really doesn't have to be that bad yeah, yeah. I agree but it's like it's like you said about the walk bike sprints like if you dislike doing it then absolutely walk. do not do yeah, it like, yeah. yeah there's no additional benefits in walk bike sprints over spending 15 minutes stationary if your goal is fat loss and you just yeah like are moving in yeah, that yeah. time and if you really don't like passing out don't pass out yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure <laughs> but if you do because it gives you this huge sense of achievement then I'm still not going to recommend passing out, actually, but um, <laughs> just from a professional point of view. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you? 
<laughs> Ooh, they can find him on his website, which he showed me earlier. Have you got a website? Honestly, on? it's excellent. Go to Dr. Mike's website, which is it is it's drmikethesecond.com. So all of my all of my social media is Dr. Mike the Second. So it, I I don't it doesn't make sense to do that because it, you can't really say it out loud. You have to spell it. But it's, yeah, that it's, it's, we, it's we more, have also found that issue with hybrid with the yeah. three. Yeah, it's more like Dr. Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Okay. So it's <laughs> Dr. Mike E. <laughs> With double I. Well, no, it's not. Oh, is it not? It's, oh, no, it's, it's not. Is it's, it Dr. Mike It's D-R-M-I-K-E-T-H-E-2-N-D. So it's Dr. Mike the second. Oh, it is, is actually is the Dr. Mike. the app name. And oh. that's, that's the, that's the uh, I think that's the URL for Facebook. Yeah, and then it's also, URL. it's also Dr. Mike the second dot com. Dot com. Dot com. But there's not really very much there, but you can sign up to there the mailing list. There is an excellent photo, though, where it looks like Mike is about to undress Let's and he's going to start with his glasses. <laughs> you should have to, when people go onto the website, the full Monty music starts playing. <laughs> I think that would be a terrible idea. No. It looks like he's about to slide his glasses oh, down his nose in a sultry manner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Go and look at it just for this I'm photo. So, I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. I'm so sorry. Maybe just stick to Instagram. <laughs> Instagram and your own podcast. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I also have a podcast with my friends Dan and Emma. Um, it's called Fitness Unfiltered, and we like it. We like it too. Yeah. Thank you. You can speak for us and use the royal we there. We yeah. all like yeah. it. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. People should probably like and share this one as well, shouldn't they? They probably should. Yeah. <laughs> and subscribe. And subscribe. That's nice. For sure. Five stars. Well, oh, no, can you do our outro for us? Because oh, yeah. you're more podcasting experienced. Okay. That's not a okay. real sentence, I just said. <clears throat> so just the, the bit where you tell people to like and subscribe? Yeah. yeah. So if you like what you hear today, please do like and subscribe and rate the podcast and tell all of your friends. And we will see you next time on... What a terrible idea. <laughs> but I didn't really know because they're all called a different thing aren't they no they're like they the way we structure called, it is yeah. the topic yeah what a terrible, what a terrible, terrible idea. idea yeah but so, is the podcast called the hybrid coaching podcast and no then it's each episode called, so it's actually called idea. The, the title of the podcast is what a terrible and idea. we'll see you next time on what a terrible idea such a pro